Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. Here, after Thanksgiving, you start putting up all the decorations and everything. And I was thinking, children, young children. I can think back to myself, but you can think back to your own children when they were little, or even your grandchildren now. When Christmas time came around, there was a certain expectation in their hearts, wasn't there? Oh, they would get so excited about Christmas coming again. They would get so excited about, oh, the, the gifts that they're going to get. Oh, I want this. I would love to have this. Making their lists, checking them twice, you know. Oh, Santa's supposed to do that, but he, they do it too. They look at their list and they're looking forward with an anticipation. Talk to a young child about Christmas sometime. Talk to a young child about Christmas. Lists of toys, anticipation of the Christmas program, rehearsals, songs. Children become remarkably good. <laughs> remarkably good. Because they're looking for reward. Reward. They write letters to Santa, and the closer the date comes, the more the planning intensifies. Our day of redemption is drawing nigh. Just as Christmas is drawing nigh every year, the day of our redemption is drawing nigh. You believe that, don't you? The anticipated day is getting closer and closer each day. Regardless of the route that we take, regardless of whether we go on as Cliff did this past week and pass into the presence of the Lord through death, or whether the Lord comes and in rapture we are captured up to be with Him, whatever route you take, your redemption draws nigh. I told you this story here before, and I'm going to tell it again because it just came into my mind, and I think it fits. I was preaching one time on the uh, second coming of the Lord, and I preached a, a message on the second coming of the Lord, and this older gentleman, and I was a young guy at the time, probably in my 30s maybe, this older gentleman, he must have been in his 80s, oh, maybe I shouldn't say older than him. <laughs> He was in his 80s. He, he came up to me after the message and he, he got really close to me and took his finger like this and pointed it at me and said, you are going to see the Lord very soon. And that was a little startling to me. So I said, uh, I jokingly, I said, are you a prophet? And he laughed and he said, no, no, I'm just old. And my life went by like that. 80 years were like that. Your redemption draws nigh. It is closer than we think. Our lives are like a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow, as the grass, the vapor rising up. Do we live our lives in the vapor? For the vapor? As obedient children, I got to get going. Because I want to get to our quote. 
I might have to go right there. As obedient children, now going back to what we've been talking about over the course of these weeks, this is all leading up to the idea that these are ones who have been saved by the matchless grace of God that are now needing to learn obedience. Doing what they have been told by the Word of God. As obedient children, now this could refer back to their salvation, as those who are obedient to the grace of salvation. It could be looking forward to this obedience now that they have in this sanctification process that they're going through. He says, as obedient children, do not be conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance. Do not be the sow that goes back to the mud again when you've been cleaned. Don't go back to what you before in your ignorance thought was okay, and now you've learned that it's not. Don't go back there. Don't go back there. But he, as he who called you is holy, you be holy in all your conduct. That's interesting. He puts the, he puts the application before he puts the quote here. In all your conduct, be one who is separated unto God. Be one who is holy, separated unto God. Because God has said... Be holy, be one who is set apart, because I am one who is set apart. And he is holy in an infinite way, isn't he? He alone is holy, Scripture would tell us. He is the holy, holy, holy God, and there's none like unto him. He is transcendent above all things. He is the holy God. And there is none like unto him. But this is what is called a communicable attribute of God. And he calls us to join in the holiness and separation unto him. Everything that God possesses, everything that God uses for his service is considered to be holy. Go back to the Old Testament, go back to the tabernacle, go back to the temple. All the pans, all the... All the, the the pails that they used for carrying ashes, all the stuff, were holy because they were used in God's service. The priesthood was a holy priesthood because it was used in God's service or was to be used in God's service. And we are a holy priesthood. We are those that He has set aside for His service and for His work. We are set-apart ones. To his work. And he is our Lord. And he is our master. And we have been set apart unto him. God possesses attributes. And some of those attributes are not communicable attributes. He is omniscient. And he knows all things. Do you know all things? No, not even close. He knows everything that was, everything. I said this a couple weeks ago. He knows everything that was, everything that will be. He ordained and designed and purposed. He is the omniscient God. He is the omnipotent God. There is no one more powerful than he is. He is the 
omnipresent God. Now, let me ask you this. When Jesus Christ then was born of Mary as a little child and laid in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn, and they laid this little one down, did he possess all the same attributes that he always had? Take any of his attributes away and he ceases to be God. Take any of his attributes away and he ceases to be God. When Jesus Christ, when, when it says, when Paul talks about that he emptied himself and took upon himself the form of a servant, of what then did he empty himself? If he contains all, if in that all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily in him, and he is absolute God of absolute God in human form, then what did he empty himself of? What did he make himself of no reputation, as the King James might say? Was it, oh, well, some will say that perhaps it was the visible manifestation of his glory. But I seem to remember him being on a mount of transfiguration, and they saw his glory. So what is it that he emptied himself of? He didn't empty himself of all but love. To do that, he would cease to be God. But in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ was God incarnate in the flesh. And he made himself a nobody. He made himself a nobody. God walking among men, looking and acting like a regular man. And not only that, he took himself the form of a servant, a slave. Yet he never ceased to be God. Completely and totally God. He never ceased to be holy. In him there was no sin. He was the holy, holy Lamb of God. How did I get there? I don't know. We're looking at the idea of his holiness. And now, there, there are some attributes of God which are what we call communicable attributes of God. He calls you to be holy. And he uses an imperative form. He says, be holy, for I'm holy, out of the, when he translates it out of the Septuagint. And this goes back to Leviticus chapter 11, Leviticus chapter 19, Leviticus chapter 20. You find it once in Leviticus chapter 11. You find it once in Leviticus chapter 19. You find it twice in Leviticus chapter 20 where he calls on his people. Now he's, lit, he's giving them the law. He's going back over the law. He's giving them, as it were, case law. This is, how you, this is how all of this functions. This is how you are to exercise it all. And he's giving it to them, and, he's giving, and you do these things because this is the character that you need to be. Be holy because I am holy. Be set apart unto me. Do not go back to the nations. Do not take wives of the nations. Do not make another God over me. Do not make an image of a God. Over and over he's telling me, because I am the Lord. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. So be holy. Be set apart unto me. Let me ask the question. 
are we doing? Are we men and women who really are seeking to follow the Word of God as closely and as carefully as we can? Are we those who are seeking to imitate, if you will, maybe that's a poor word, our Father. You remember we went back to the early, the first lesson. We have been begotten again. We have a new nature that has been given to us. And now we possess in that new nature, as it were, the DNA of a new father. And we are to be those who are living in ways that are ways of God. Like he lives, like he speaks, like he acts. I'm not doing so well. I don't know about you. But I don't stop trying. I don't stop praying. I don't stop reaching and asking the Spirit of God to give guidance and strength for the very next day, the very next step. Because He has told me, be holy in all your conduct. Not like the little boy. Oh, phew. I'm glad I don't have to do that all the time. I'm glad I don't have to drive like that all the time. He has called you to be holy in all your conduct all the time. (laughs) Sword goes out, the sword comes in. But he encourages them. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth of the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God that lives and abides forever. All flesh is as grass, all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. He's, he's not really making I have to stop. He's not really making an indication or, or, a, or an illusion, is that the right word? Of, of the brevity of life, an analogy from the brevity of life here, so much as he is, so much as he is saying that. The grass fades. Everything goes away. But what you possess doesn't go away. It endures forever. The message of the gospel that you've received, it doesn't go away. It's not like the grass. So take hope. Take joy. Rejoice. Because what you have is not like the grass. It's not going to go away. It's yours and yours forever. Father, we give you thanks and praise for the salvation which we possess because of our Lord Jesus Christ and all that he has done. We're thankful, Father, for the blood shed on Calvary. We're thankful for a body that was laid in the grave according to the scripture and rose again on the third day and lives forever and ever and ever. And Father, we're thankful. We're thankful that we know him. We're thankful that He is, always has been, always will be the eternal Son of God. And we are thankful that we know Him and have a relationship with Him. Use these few words to touch our hearts and speak to our hearts for your glory. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.